0: Please take out your Bibles tonight and turn to the book of Deuteronomy. (laughs) Deuteronomy chapter 7. Tonight we are going to continue indeed with our Sunday night sermon series, Going Back to the Well. Uh, Before I get started on tonight's lesson I just want to express publicly a, a special thanks to Brother Mark Stafford uh, two out of the last three Sunday nights where I've been gone to Tri-State, he has stood up and, and preached the lessons and I really appreciate um, his willingness to do that and the, and the good job that he does and uh, just express my gratitude for that uh, to him. I know that it is a, it's a good thing and, and I appreciate him very much. Tonight's lesson will be the sixth in our sermon mini-series of Going Back to the Well and tonight's title is The Wells of Promise. Plenty and prosperity. And it has to do with the wells that are mentioned in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 11, which we will get to eventually. The wells in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 11, the hewn out wells, which God's people would not dig, but would certainly be blessed by God with to enjoy the full blessings of and we are going to look at those and some of the applications for that lesson for us today. (laughs) Before we dig into uh, the full text of tonight's lesson in Deuteronomy chapter 6, I want to provide you with a little bit of of biblical history as well as some very insightful comments from Brother Kent Heaton from whence these outlines, general outlines come. and. Talk about those for just a minute to kind of set the the, the timing. The the timing of the book of Deuteronomy is significant and worthy to note. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 1 in verse 3, It came to pass in the 40th year, in the 11th month, on the first day of the month. God's pretty explicit with time dating this. That Moses spoke to the children of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him as commandments to them. One of the things that, kind of a little side note here that I I want to mention, Moses is serving God, as, as we know, but Moses is doing that at a time when it has not been the too recent past, wherein both his brother Aaron and his sister Miriam have died. And his brother Aaron's death has got something to do with, if you go back to Numbers chapter 20, something to do with Moses. I mean, he could have felt guilty over that because of all the dynamics thereof. But also in Deuteronomy, cha- uh, Numbers chapter 20, we find that not only had his brother and sister somewhat recently died, but we know also from Numbers chapter 20 that Moses himself is going to die without entering the promised land. You've worked for something all your life, and you've worked as hard as Moses has. And you find out that all that you've worked for is not going to be accomplished for you in your lifetime. And you're mourning the loss, perhaps, of of siblings. That can be a very difficult time. And yet Moses is still serving God, and I just think that's, that's worthy of note. As we think about the timing of the book of Deuteronomy... It is also a different people. Egypt is a different people than when they first, I'm sorry, Israel, I'll get it right. Israel is a different people than when they first came out of Egypt. Because of that earlier generation's faithlessness in the promises of God, Israel has been forced to endure 40 years in the wilderness. 40 years of hardship, 40 years of trouble, sorrow, death, and destruction because of that previous generation's faithlessness, that generation that originally came out of Egypt. But now there's a new generation, it's 40 years later, and this new generation has arisen and they're preparing to go into the Promised Land. And Moses, will spend most of the book of Deuteronomy, by divine inspiration of course, trying to make them remember and therefore not repeat the mistakes and the sins and the faithlessness of the past generation. One of the main ways that Moses is going to do that in the book of Deuteronomy is going to be by reminding them of their history. Deuteronomy is is pretty much a recap of things that have happened But not only is he going to remind them of their heritage as Israelites and and all the problems, he's going to also have to give them the law for a second time. The law, which the heart, soul, and centerpiece of is love. As we talked about in this morning's lesson, As we will see when we get into our actual text in Deuteronomy chapter 6, the law of God is all about love. It it begins and ends with love, and we're going to see that in Deuteronomy 6-5 when he tells them that they are to love the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their strength. Brother Heaton would write, As Israel prepared to enter the land of Canaan, Moses pens the final words of remembrance to warn them about the dangers that they will face in the new world. There will be cities to conquer, lands to possess, and they must drive out the inhabitants of the land, listen to this last phrase, according to the word of God. That's Brother Heaton, that's not scripture, okay? But they're gonna have to drive these nations out according to the word of the Lord. And as I thought about that phrase, have you ever thought about the incredible, unconditional love, the, the the foresight and the providence and the compassion and mercy and understanding that God has shown to his people always but even in that they're going to drive out the people of these lands as God instructs them or according to his word but even in that God blessed them immensely God had their best interest In mind and and I and I say that to strengthen you and to encourage you tonight to comfort you to to encourage you in your everyday walk with him I I want you to just take a minute I want you to consider how they're gonna drive out the people but it's going to be according to the Word of God and I want you to watch how compassionate and how awesome God is in providing for them their their every their every care God has taken into account and consideration Um, we would notice how they are going to drive out the inhabitants of the land according to his word in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 22. But I want to begin five verses earlier. I want to begin in Deuteronomy 7, 17. Okay? And we'll get to verse 22 and, and watch God how God's just taken such good care of them. Verse 17. He says, If you should say in your heart, These nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? Remember, That was the previous generation's line. Remember when Moses sent the spies into the promised land and and the spies come back and 10 of them said, we can't take them, they're greater and mightier than us. Moses is reminding them not to make the mistakes of the past. This is right out of that, okay? If you should say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? You shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. See, the first generation, We've probably all heard lessons where where people or preachers or teachers have said, you know, those Israelites, when they sent the spies into the Promised Land and they come back and said, oh, the people are just too large for us and all that, think of what they'd already seen. Think of how God had conquered Pharaoh. Think of how the Red Sea had closed on on Egypt's armies. They they weren't thinking back to all that God had brought them through if they consider these folks are too big and God's letting them know through Moses here, don't make that mistake. Remember what God did to Pharaoh. Remember verse 19, the great trials which your eyes saw, the signs and wonders, the mighty hand and the outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out. Remember what God has done. Remember what he's capable of because you've seen his power so you don't have to fret about these folks. So shall the Lord your God do to all the peoples of whom you are afraid. Moreover, the Lord your God will send the hornet among them until those who are left Who hide themselves from you are destroyed. You shall not be terrified of them. For the Lord, your God, your God, the great and awesome God is among you. Now watch this. Verse 22. And the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. You will be unable to destroy them at once, lest the beasts of the field become too numerous for you God knew that if all of these people were just laid waste that, that that the animals that devoured them would just just multiply and overtake the people and so God says look for your benefit Moses says God for your benefit's can drive them out little by little cuz you couldn't handle all of the dynamics if it was done like God's just just taking care of them Moses wants them to know that God's God's already provided and, and he's taken care of you and and that doesn't even get us to the wells of plenty and promise this as I studied this is such an encouraging lesson at least for me and I hope it is for you as well Now as I said our main text is in Deuteronomy 6 But because as I mentioned this morning when this was written there were no chapter and verse um, Distinctions as such as, as they're numbered now. I want to actually begin in Deuteronomy 5 verse 32 532, as we lead into 6. Therefore, you shall be careful to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you. Here's why. That you may live and that it may be well with you and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess don't miss that god says the reason that you are to obey him or moses god says through moses the reason that you need to walk in the ways that god commands you is for your benefit that you may do well that god knows what you need to do in order to be successful if you will in order that it may prolong your days in in order that you may have this sustained success listen Sustained life and joy and success and prosperity, godly prosperity, always begins and ends with keeping God's commandments. You want to, as Spock used to say, live long and prosper? Do it God's way. That's the message. That you may live and that it may be well with you. God's your creator, he knows what it's gonna take to thrive, to, to have success and prosperity and joy. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Just do what God said and you will have the best life you possibly can. Is that still true today? Amen, right? If you don't think so, ask Eve. Enough said. You see, God knew that Satan and the world would come after and tempt his people Israel the same way as Satan had tempted Eve. So God will have Moses spend the book of Deuteronomy repeating, reiterating, and reemphasizing the kind of focus that it's gonna take in order to be successful. Chapter six, verses one through three. Remember, there was no break here for a new chapter when this was originally written. The very next sentence says, Now this is the commandment. And these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. That you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you. You and your son and your grandson All the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. There's a blessing in keeping God's word. He he mentions what it is. Verse 3: Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it. Again, notice why: that it may be well with you, that, that life may be good and well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. There's always a blessing for doing it God's way and staying faithful to God no matter what. And, and Moses is driving this home because he wants people to have only the best. I, I, I'm going to tell you, your God, my God, our God, wants you to live the best possible life that you can on this earth. And he knows the best way for you to do that is to do things his way. If this whole world, think about this, if everybody in the world, everybody, did exactly what God said, would the world be a better place? God knows what he's talking about. Everybody's not gonna, but you can't control everybody, but you can control you, and they could control them, and, and this, is, this is what Moses is trying to tell them. Now, as we read chapter six, verses one through three, I want you to think about this all of his statutes throughout all of their generations, all the days of their lives, period. That's a pretty tall order. How is anything even remotely akin to that possible? How? I mean, all of them? All the time? All of them? I'll tell you how it's possible. Only by having the right focus, which is the very next thing he gets into. Here's the focus. The words we just sang, verses four and five. This focus will do it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's how it's done. That's how we can keep his commandments. That's how we can be successful. You gotta have the right focus because the world's coming after you. The nations around them would come after them. You know, there's so much here in, in verses 4 and 5 that we sang before the lesson so much. You'll recall that the Lord Jesus Christ said that this was the greatest commandment of all. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he also said the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two, the Law and the Prophets, On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, Matthew chapter 22, verses 39 and 40. In Mark's gospel account, he says, or adds, that Jesus said, there is no commandment greater than these. Again, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, there's no greater commandment. That is the only focus that will enable you and empower you To keep all of his commandments. And once again, as we look at verses 4 and 5, we see that the law and the commandments of God begin, and as we talked about this morning, consist of, and with, and are fulfilled by love. That's where it all begins, loving God. Love is the fulfillment of the law. We talked about that at length this morning. It's all about godly love not love that says sin is okay but godly love mixed with the law in the proper dosage I found some comments by brother James Burton Kaufman to really paint in my head uh, a nice description of what's going on here he said right here again those words that we sang Is where one finds out what holy religion is all about the creator of all things desires the love of his children and here is the explanation of many of the mysteries of religion love cannot be coerced forced or compelled love must be the result of choice and a free will hence eve in the garden and the serpent What God wants from the people of Israel here is their wholehearted love and loyalty. You know, I preached a sermon once on the only thing God ever wanted, and the only thing God ever wanted was a family that would love him and trust him. That's it. That's the whole Bible's about. God wants a family of people that will love him enough to trust him and be loyal to him. That's Genesis to Revelation. That's it. Brother Kaufman went on to say, That what he wants, again, is their wholehearted love and loyalty and their obedience to the terms of the covenant relationship which love and loyalty will inspire. The reason this is called the great commandment is that it is the one upon which all other obligations depend. Brethren, this is where it all starts. If we don't love God, we're not going to go anywhere except hell. This is where it all starts. This is the great commandment. Okay, it's it's the one from which all other laws of God or, or which all other good blessings from God come. And I did not know this. Brother Kaufman said verses four and five are regarded as the essence of the Hebrew religion. These verses are always quoted in every synagogue service. I did not know that and are repeated twice daily by the orthodox. These words are the opening sentence in Jewish services. Even the New Testament requires no more than this total surrender of man's being to his maker. What does God require of you? If you love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, the rest will take care of itself. You will be faithful. You will do what God asks. You will be obedient. You will be penitent. 1 Timothy 1.5 says, now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith. Moving on to verse 6 of Deuteronomy 6. Moses said, and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. God wants them in you. We are to study and, and put his words in our heart. He says in verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. God says, talk to your children all the time about God. Israel, you're going into this promised land. God wants you to be successful. It begins with loving Him and then it continues with making sure that whether you rise up, you lie down, you go out and walk, you don't go out, whatever you do, that you talk of this loving God. That will bring you success. Verse seven tells us. Verses eight and nine say this, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The Jews took this literally and they have little containers that go by different names that they they hang them, they've got them like uh, on their hand and on their door and and those sorts of things. But this was pretty much metaphorical. God's point here is that every fact and facet of Jewish life was to be completely saturated with God's teachings. Simple as that. If your life is saturated, if you love God that much that, that all you talk about is God and and he's always there as as you go about your business and your house is completely saturated with the teachings of God's law, then you will be blessed in that land. That brings us to verses 10 through 13. Verses 10 through 13 are the meat and the crux and the point of tonight's lesson. In verses 10 through 13, we we will see what I have chosen to summarize and to characterize as, metaphorically, The wells of promise, plenty, and prosperity. Verse 10. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'll stop right there at that comma. Don't skip over this word. So it shall be when the Lord brings you in. Not if. Not if, but when. That is crucial to our understanding. God always keeps his promises, that's the point. Don't. I know some of us are struggling with a myriad of different things. I know there have been all kinds of pain and, and losses and struggles. I believe probably everybody in this room is, is dealing with some burden and some pain and some issue and some struggle. Listen, if you don't take anything else home from this lesson tonight, don't miss the word when. When the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers. In other words, when God does what God said he was going to do for you. Because God always keeps his promises, All ways it does not matter how many years go by it does not matter how many mistakes and messes his people make it does not matter how badly even that he knows they are gonna mess up or even reject his promised blessings long before he ever gives them God always keeps his promises God one of the one of the most Early on as a Christian, one of the texts that I ran across that just really struck me hard was one we're gonna turn to here in a minute, but let me set the, the background for a moment. God knew long before he ever led them into the Promised Land that these people whom he was going to bless with full houses, they didn't build, with wells they didn't dig with vineyards they didn't plant all of these wonderful things that he was just going to bless his people with when they got those things they were going to turn their backs on and reject him and he knew it before he ever led them in there and still he did it what an awesome god the text that i'm referring to and again it's when god brings you into that land even though even though You've messed up before, and he knows when you get in there that you're going to turn on him. God still keeps his promise. It's Deuteronomy, chapter 30, verses 20 and 21. Keep your finger here in chapter 6, but go over, go with me and look at this. What an awesome God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. I should have that as a closing song, right? Deuteronomy 31. Look at verse 20. At at, at getting up toward the end of Deuteronomy, where he's related all this history, and they're right on the verge of crossing over, look what he says. Deuteronomy 31, beginning at verse 20. God said, When, notice our word, not if, but again, when, because God keeps his promises. When I have brought them to the land flowing with milk and honey, of which I swore to their fathers, God says, when I keep my word, and they have eaten and filled themselves and grown fat, then they will turn to other gods and serve them, and they will provoke me and break my covenant. Then it shall be that when many evils and troubles have come upon them that this song will testify against them as a witness, for it will not be forgotten in the mouths of their descendants. For I know the inclination of their behavior today even before I have brought them to the land of which I swore to give them. Isn't that that a beautiful text? Not for them, but but showing us the characteristics of God says, I'm going to give them all this stuff and they're going to walk away from me. They're going to reject me. They're going to break my covenant. They're going to turn away. And I know they are, because I know their hearts. I know this people. But when I bring them in because I swore I would, And I keep my word. We we serve an awesome God. Back in chapter 6 of Deuteronomy. Picking up the latter part of verse 10. He said he's going to give them that land. When he gives them that land, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of good things which you did not fill. And he's not going to give them empty houses. He's going to give them, may I, little license here, Stocked cupboards you know hewn out wells which you did not dig vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant when you have eaten and are full then beware lest you forget the lord who brought you out of the land of egypt from the house of bondage and again look what god was going to give them cities and houses stocked with everything they needed wells they did everything god it's just like here you go here's everything you'll ever need boom You didn't build it, you didn't work for it, but because I'm God, I'm giving it to you, because I love you that much. All I ask is is that you follow me and prolong your days here. One of the things that's crucial for us to understand as we think about that, something that goes either unrealized or unmentioned or else just plain passed over, is the fact that the greatest danger these people faced, the greatest danger they faced, was not from those seven nations that were greater and mightier than they whom the Lord would drive out before them, Deuteronomy seven and verse one. The the greatest danger they would face was, was not from from the the Hittites, and the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Perizzites, and Hivites, and Jebusites. They would be no match for Israel because God was with Israel. That, That wasn't their greatest danger. Their greatest danger wasn't from their adversaries without. Their greatest danger came from within themselves. Think about that. Their greatest danger came from within. As Brother Heaton observed, they conquered the land, but they could not conquer their own hearts. Their greatest blessings from God would become their worst curses in their hands. The greatest danger they would face would be their own forgetting, or not keeping on with loving and trusting and obeying and staying with the Lord their God. That was their greatest danger. And it's our greatest danger today. It's our greatest danger today, just as it was theirs. They would have these wells of plenty and promise, but their greatest danger from within would destroy all of the promises and blessings because they'd turn on God. You know, it's true for us today as a nation Vance Havner wrote, today America is spiritually sick, starving in the midst of abundance, a nation of paupers in a land of plenty. Religiously, isn't that true? Religiously, is there not a famine in the land? I mean, we have a land of plenty. I mean, we can can get Bibles. We can go to any bookstore and buy stacks of Bibles. We have the internet. We have faithful congregations that are putting stuff out all over the place. We have electronics and technology. We can access the word of God so easy in this country. And God has blessed us with all of those opportunities to know him, but we are still living in a land that has largely, by and large, the vast majority forgotten or doesn't have time for God. Brother Heaton wrote, we live in a world of well dug wells. America has become the land of the free to do as we please with little regard for God so much of our time is spent in forgetting the Lord we don't have time to remember him how many people on Sundays in this country when we are commanded to gather around this table in remembrance of him just don't the land of plenty has given us every opportunity to share the good news of Christ yet our materialism is drowning in debt loss of time loss of effort loss of interest and loss of desire. We have come to a land with large and beautiful cities which we did not build. The land is full of houses with good things. Hewn out wells we did not dig. We are so blessed in this country, and yet the one who gave us all of those blessings is largely forgotten. And it's not only true that that we are our own worst danger. I mean, look at America today and our worst danger spiritually is ourselves. You know, it's the same as a church. Our, our greatest danger today, just like those people entering the promised land who've been given all this stuff, our, our greatest danger today does not come from denominations and false teachings around us. I mean, we've got a Sunday morning Bible class going on, and, and we know how to refute fa- false doctrine, and, and we know what the Bible says about the one church and all of that. You know, people from religious groups that that don't go straight by the bible are probably not going to convince us that we need to join their group that doesn't go by the bible is that fair i mean most of us have knowledge enough that we're going to stick with what the bible says they're not they're not our greatest danger as to the church because we simply are not going to listen especially when we know what the bible says people who are spouting something that's against what the Bible says we're not going to do it they're not going to take us over spiritually in that way our greatest danger as a church is not from the denominations around us but can be from within us as individuals do we truly love the Lord our God with all our heart soul mind and strength are we do we do that and and does it show in our relationships with others does it show in our commitment to God because that's where our greatest danger comes from. You see, the wells of promise and plenty and prosperity are only there and enjoyed by those who continue to love and trust and follow God, who are faithful to him no matter what, who are faithful to him no matter what the world around us has to offer. Just as these people, no matter what they faced, had that same parallel going on. That's why this warning right here, in verses 13 and following is is so important for us to understand because God loves us so much he only wants the best for us look at verses 13 and following you shall fear the Lord your God and serve him you'll take oaths in his name you shall not go after other gods the gods of the people who are all around you for the Lord your God is a jealous God among you lest the anger of the Lord your God be aroused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth you shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him at Massa. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God, his testimonies and statutes which he has commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord. Here it comes again. Why? You shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord. Why? Why? that it may be well with you and that you may go in and possess the good land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to cast out all of your enemies from before, before you as the Lord has spoken. What's the point? The point is... Do it God's way. Stay faithful to God. And you'll have all these incredible blessings. It'll go well with you. It will be good for you. It will be everything you need it to be in your walk with God. Don't don't go to the right or to the left. And he finishes out here in verses 20 through 25 by saying this. When your son asks you in the time to come, saying, what is the meaning of the testimonies, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord our God has commanded you, then you shall say to your son, we were slaves of pharaoh in egypt the lord brought us out of egypt with a mighty hand and the lord showed signs and wonders before our eyes great and severe against egypt pharaoh and and all his household Then he brought us out from there that he might bring us in to give us the land of which he swore to our fathers god always keeps his promise and the lord commanded us to observe all these statutes to fear the lord our god For our good always. If you don't have that highlighted, emboldened, something underlined in your Bible, underline that. The whole reason that the Lord gave us the commands he did to fear him was for our good always. That he might preserve us alive as it is this day. Then it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all these commandments before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. The wells of promise, plenty, and prosperity. God has given us everything. As we think about maybe for just a moment before we close, again, as we, we think about the church, many of us here in this church, probably very few of us, let me put it in those terms, very few of us were probably here although some of you were when this building was built when this congregation was established I know some of you were but many of you have been born into families since this building was built and You've been given this building that's already here with all of its resources and its supplies, with, with the budget and the money that the church has. Many of you were born into that. Many some of you have moved to this area. You, you, there's wells here you didn't dig. There's houses here, if you will, that, it, that is full, and, and you didn't put all that work in to, to make this all, that you, you came into this already established is my point. It, many of us did, I certainly did. And sometimes it's easy to take for granted that we were brought into a land of plenty. That many generations, or at least a few generations, worked so hard to provide as they followed God. And we don't wanna be a people who in our lifetime neglect or forget or, or don't love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, or we're gonna turn out just like the Israelites. The wells of plenty and so much. And so I just wanna close tonight by saying those wells of plenty are, are something that we enjoy as a church, as a nation, and all too many, at least in our nation, have forgotten where those blessings came from. That we were lost, that we were, slaves in the land, we were slaves in the land of sin, if you will, we were slaves to sin, Romans chapter six. And God brought us out of there with a mighty hand when he gave his son Jesus on the cross for our sins. He, he offered us the opportunity <coughs> We didn't walk through the Red Sea, but we metaphorically walk through the red blood or rise up out of the red blood of Jesus when we rise up out of that baptistry to to live and walk in newness of life. We've been given everything, everything. And if we're going to be successful, if we're going to have those full and joyful lives that God wants for us to have, the key to it all, all of it, just love God with all you got love God with all you got because he's given you so much that you didn't dig you didn't earn you didn't deserve God just said here it is here's heaven here's heaven if you tonight have never been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins if you've never been washed in water, as it were, to have your sins washed away, not physically, obviously. If you've never done that, God's waiting tonight. Why why don't you be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins if you've never done that? God's saying, you can have it all. You can become an heir, a co-heir with Christ, Romans chapter eight. You can be blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, Ephesians chapter one and verse four. You can have it all. You didn't earn it, God did it for you. You want that? You can have it tonight by being baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You can have your name written in heaven. Maybe you're somebody here who's done that, but you've heard this lesson tonight and said, wow, I guess I never really appreciated it as much, or at least lately haven't appreciated it as much as I need to. And I just need God's blessing more in my life to make me stronger. I need to realize these things and really get closer to God. And I I need the prayers of the church to help me to... To be more consistent in that. Whatever your need is tonight. God wants only the best for you. And he'll give you everything if you let him. Are you ready to let him? If you are, let us know as we stand and sing.